Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We've got good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. And Jim, let's uh, start with the good, which starts with a big dose of bad. Uh, And that's just how much misery, anger, frustration, vitriol had to happen because of different mandates that uh, occurred during COVID. Uh, We talked uh, just last week about how natural immunity was uh, poo-pooed back in the day, and it turns out that it was as good, if not better, uh, than the vaccine in a lot of situations. Now, Brett Stevens over in the New York Times uh, talking about uh, the mask study that was released late last month, pointing out in perhaps the most prominent forum yet, at least in mainstream media, that they did no good whatsoever. Not for the individual, not for the group. Hey, what about KN95s? Nope, not those either. And so uh, because of the fact that you know the CDC and all these other entities uh, and the issue got politicized and you're good if you wear them and you're bad if you don't, that uh, all of a sudden this became settled science when it actually wasn't. And there were certainly folks uh, saying that at the time, given how small uh, the microbes are that uh, pass from person to person when a virus occurs. And so, Jim, you know, it's it's good to know this. The bad news here is that he says nobody at the government level is probably going to learn anything from this. But I think the, the big news here is that uh, government mandates stink. And this is a perfect example why and, and how it uh, led to a lot of stress that didn't need to happen. Well, look, for the last three years, Greg, we've been hearing this endless this phrase, follow the science. Yep. And between both the recent Lancet study which really is sort of like a mega study. They looked at uh, 65 studies, 19 different countries. This is mentioned in a National Review editorial. I'm thinking about writing about this for the Post. What jumped out at me was, our analysis of the available data suggests that the level of protection afforded by previous infection is at least as high, if not higher than those provided by two-dose vaccination using high-quality MNRA vaccines, Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech. At least as high. (laughs) ironically, it's conceivable that getting vaccinated is not as protective as having a previous infection. Now, should you get vaccinated? Look, I I would rather, if I'm going to run into COVID, I'd rather have the vaccination than not. Would I make it through? Probably. You know, uh, if you're in those people in that high risk category, the elderly, the immunocompromised, those with comorbidities, well, then yeah, maybe it does make sense to make sure that you're uh, immune system has been effectively trained how to fight the the COVID virus. But really for like two or three years there, in the eyes of the U.S. government, in the eyes of a lot of state governments, in the lo- eyes of a lot of big corporations and other institutions, the only valid way to say my body is prepared to take on COVID-19 or, or the, uh, the virus is by having a vaccine. Natural immunity meant nothing. And this study over in the Lancet, actually, as I said, mega study, 65 studies, is to say, actually, no, that is the opposite. In fact, the people who are previously infected might be even more protected than you vaccinated folks were. Completely undoes 
the dominant narrative here in the United States. Intriguingly, that was not necessarily the narrative in other countries. Um, and then as this point on the masks, I'm looking at this, Greg, and just thinking like, do you realize how much like wasted energy we had? Do you, how many, how many, you know, spats and fights and screaming matches and stuff did we see in public places over people wearing masks and not wearing masks? I mean, we're, we're still dealing with some people who are hyper neurotic right now. And by the way, if wearing a mask makes you feel more protected, go right ahead. I would not mind it. And as this, also this study is pointing out, it's looking at the population level. It's not looking at the individual level. It is still a bad thing to sneeze in people's faces. It is still a bad thing to sneeze into your hand and then shake somebody's hand. It is a bad thing to shake and, you know, sneeze into your hand and then like press an elevator button or touch a, uh, you know, handrail on a stairwell or stuff like that, right? There are still things we can do to prevent germs from going on. If it became a new kind of habit or tradition in this country to wear a mask when you're when you have a cold or when you're sick, that would not be the worst thing in the world. But this is a far cry from the government saying you must have a, wear a mask to come into this and all of the little mask police who enjoyed taking pictures of each other on airplanes or something when they were, you know, sipping their soda or something like that. The COVID-19 pandemic revealed that when confronted with a very, you know, very real problem, very real crisis, we shouldn't get, you know, we should not downplay the fact that more than a million Americans died because of or with COVID-19. And they went through and they looked at the studies and in almost in like 90 some percent of the cases, COVID-19 was either the cause of death or a major contributing cause of death. Sometimes you'll have somebody like Colin Powell who was already fighting cancer. So their body was already dealing with this major health threat. But um, these are not cases, as many people describe, where somebody dies in a motorcycle accident um, and later tests, turns out they test positive for COVID-19. I, I do not, as far as I can tell, there's no indication that George Floyd is in the COVID-19 statistics, even though he was you know, tested and was positive for COVID-19 at the time of his death, or at least they found it in the autopsy. So will we learn anything? No, I think Brett Stevens is correct. I, I think that what it demonstrated is that we have a nation of busybodies and we have a nation of people who uh, really like to boss other people around. They really like authority. They really like the idea of being, I am the best rule follower in this, you know, in, in this environment. And you are not as good a rule follower in this environment. And thus I will tattle on you. I will attempt to get you in trouble. These are impulses that uh, turned into really annoying people in grade school, Greg. And it seems like some people never really get rid of them. <laughs> exactly right. I think you made a good point. You know, the people who didn't want to wear masks were very frustrated uh, when told that they had to. I don't like the fact that some people who were never in favor of them mock the people who want to wear them. I agree, based on this study and, and other things. Uh, it doesn't appear that they work, but I don't know why, if that's their choice, that anti-mask people need to, to, to bear down on them. But I think this is the... Uh, telltale sign here from the Stevens column. When it comes to the population level benefits of masking, the verdict is in mask mandates were a bust. Those skeptics who were furiously mocked as cranks and occasionally censored as misinformers for opposing mandates were right. The mainstream experts and pundits who supported mandates were wrong. In a better world, it would behoove the latter group to acknowledge their error, along with its considerable physical, psychological, pedagogical, and political costs. Don't count on it. In congressional testimony this month, Rochelle Walensky, director of the CDC, called into question the uh, analysis's reliance on a small number of COVID-specific randomized controlled trials and insisted that her agency's guidance on masking in schools would not change. And Jim, like you said, uh, it was different in other countries. You had people getting tackled on the street in Australia for daring to go outside without a mask. Uh, they're going to try and memory hole this. 
And uh, just like just like we talked about with uh, the natural immunity, uh, and if lessons aren't learned here, it's 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 an even greater tragedy than we've already dealt with. All right, well, let's talk about some more good news, and that's Four Patriots, where you can find them at fourpatriots.com slash martini and find all the great deals, including getting a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. As we always say with Four Patriots, you need to be prepared because you just don't know when the power is going to go out. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X worth its weight in gold because it has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run all the big appliances like your fridge, your freezer, and medical devices. Comes with 12 outlets, including four AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Never needs gas, thanks to that solar panel. Fume-free, silent, and safe. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Visit 4patriots.com martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4patriots.com martini. That's 4patriots.com martini. All right, Jim, on to our bad martini now. And this one has a twinge of good to it, since the, the good had a twinge of bad to it. The good news is, is that CNN and uh, other outfits on the on the media side of things are paying more attention to the horrific Norfolk Southern train crash in East Palestine, Ohio. Even though the government says everything's safe to return home, breathe the air, drink the water, there's a lot of residents there saying, I'm not so sure. I toss a rock in the stream here and I see all these chemicals uh, drifting to the surface. I'm not sure I want to go back to that. Other people talking about just breathing difficulties or scratchy sore throats as they return home. Uh, As you point out, it's getting more attention now, roughly three weeks after the disaster than when it first happened. Uh, CNN, though, is going to have a town hall on it tonight, which should uh, bring in more attention, even though their ratings aren't fantastic. It's good that it's getting more attention here, Jim. But as you point out in the jolt today, I think it's a brilliant point. Uh, this is, there's a symbiotic relationship between government response and media coverage. The less the media cares about it, uh, the less the government seems uh, to be in an urgent mindset to deal with it. But now that the coverage seems to be ramping up, the government will probably get the, get its act together a little bit more. Uh, they've spent the first three weeks trying to get the railroad uh, to take all the blame and pay for everything. So uh, uh, where do we stand right now? I'm sure somebody can find some example that might be uh, the exception that proves the rule in this idea that government attention and media attention are intertwined. You can make the argument that the media pays more attention to our border than the Biden administration does. But I think by and large, that holds that if the media, you know, is covering something particularly day after day and saying says this is a big deal it becomes harder and harder for the federal government to contend this is not a big deal. And if the federal government is constantly giving you updates and holding, you know, these updates and press conferences and stuff like that, and the president's talking about it, the media will cover it because the president is talking about it. Um, It is strange. I remember seeing those first couple photos that were floating around Twitter in the immediate aftermath. Keep going. This was a February 3rd train derailment. So we're coming up on about three weeks now. And it was not, I mean, those pictures looked apocalyptic. I mean, the, you know, the huge cloud coming up from the controlled burn and the sky was dark. And, you know, again, this was almost all state local coverage. There was very little national coverage. And I remember, you know, emailing a few people and saying, is this, is this a big deal? Is this, you know, now, as you mentioned, CNN's doing the live uh, event. You're now seeing, but it took 10 days for Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg to talk about it. He has subsequently said he regrets the fact that he did not talk about it more publicly. Um, quote, I was focused on just making sure our folks on the ground were all set, but I could have spoken sooner about how strongly I felt about this incident. And that's a lesson learned for me. 
Greg, I know listeners will be shocked that something could go wrong under at the Department of Transportation under Pete Buttigieg. Nothing like this has ever happened before. But I, look, I think there are three things that kind of, first it happens, and it's really, really scary. There's a bunch of chemicals that have spilled, and those potential those chemicals are indeed potentially harmful. They chose and apparent to burn it off in order to reduce the risk of an explosion. Now, I've heard some people saying this, you know, why did they do this? Apparently, even the Josh Shapiro, the, the new governor of Pennsylvania, has said so. I would note that both the national and state environmental protection agencies signed off on that strategy that is designed to reduce the risk of an explosion, which could be even more harmful. So that, that does not strike me as um, anything sinister or something like that. I suppose you could question whether that was the right approach. But again, the people who were involved, it wasn't just Norfolk Southern saying, ah, let's blow, let's, let's burn the whole thing up, right? Uh, this is apparently standard operating procedure when you have dangerous chemicals like this. And as you mentioned, Greg, there are people who are worried about it. I'm not going to say that there's zero health risk or, or something like that. Um, they have good reason to worry about their livestock and animals that they're raising, uh, chickens, things like that, hens, uh, dead fish in the water. They say there's strange and unpleasant smells in the air. If you have a private well on your property as a source of your water, they're telling people you got to get that tested immediately before you consume any of that water. But that having been said, drinking water from the tap, if you're attached on the local system, that is uh, indicating no indication of risk. Uh, both Governor DeWine and the head of the EPA have drank local tap water in front of cameras to demonstrate that it is safe. Um, the state EPA says that uh, that there's no tests of significant amounts in the Ohio River. Uh, they are saying they did find low levels of some of these chemicals in some of the local waterways. Um, you know, I so I think that this is one of the. I've my, by the way, for people who are like ah, you know, this is a cover up or something like that. One, I'm skeptical, but the other, you know, reason I'm skeptical is that these are environmental regulators. Their inclination is not to say, oh, the environment's fine. Oh, these chemical companies, they didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> Right. You know, the inclination of an environmental regulator is to, oh, this is a very big deal that this, oh, no, this is huge. So if they're saying that there is not a threat, I, I have a very hard time believing that the situation is much, much worse than they're revealing and that this is all some sort of cover up to prevent a panic or, or something like that. Because a lot of coverage also is now Buttigieg hasn't hasn't visited yet. And President Biden hasn't visited. And a lot of people didn't like, you know, noted the contrast. Uh, between Biden's response to the Ohio train derailment and going to Ukraine yesterday and offering another round of aid. Um, I would note that as of like two days ago, the mayor of the city, Trent Conaway, uh, was on MSNBC. It was on February 17th. And he said, I think if the president came, it would do more harm than good. There's a lot of security details that need to be around him, ambulances following him and stuff. And I think it would just be a burden on our residents, honestly. If he would like to come, I mean, I'm definitely not going to stop him, you know, but what we really need is we need people who are going to come here and do something for us, help us out. And if they're not, then no, we don't need anyone around here. Four days later, he's on Jesse Waters' program on Fox News, and it's kind of a different tone. He says, Biden's trip to Ukraine was the biggest slap in the face. It tells you right now he doesn't care about us. He can send every agency he wants to. But I found out this morning that one of the meetings, he was in the Ukraine giving millions of dollars away to people over there and not to us. I'm furious. On President's Day in our country, he's over in Ukraine. So that tells you what kind of guy he is. That strikes a little opportunistic to me to be telling MSNBC we don't want the president to be visiting. And then you go on Fox News and you denounce the president for not visiting. At, but at the core of a bunch of this is, as you mentioned, FEMA, right? And Mike DeWine had requested FEMA assistance. And the attitude of FEMA is like, well, we respond to natural disasters, 
earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, stuff like that. This is a disaster that is man-made because of negligence on the part of Norfolk Southern, and we expect them to pay for all of this so you don't qualify for this. Now, DeWine made several public statements saying, I have requested assistance from FEMA, and they've said no. And with like within a day or two, FEMA said, we're going to send us a senior response official and a regional incident management assistance team. So eventually FEMA sent staff. However, that contrast of Biden giving money and then, you know, FEMA at least initially saying, no, you don't qualify for money, just created this instant narrative that Biden cares about Ukraine and doesn't care about Ohio. Um, look, I'm glad that this is getting more attention three weeks later. I think the people of this part of Ohio, by the way, the jolt I refer to it as Southwestern Ohio, and people are pointing out that it, sorry, as a uh, Southeastern Ohio, and people have pointed out that it probably is more accurately Northeastern Ohio, East Northeastern, right? Um, people in this part of the country, they can reasonably complain that they're being overlooked, that this was, if this had happened somewhere on the East coast, maybe somewhere in California, that this would have been treated as a much bigger deal. Um, that because this is you know, effectively flyover country, it took several days, even really several weeks for the national media to consider this to be a big deal. I think this is a very fair complaint. I think the national media doesn't do a great job of covering news that occurs outside of the big cities. And this is a fair complaint because of that interrelationship between media coverage and federal government coverage. It's fair to wonder if the federal government's response was slowed by the fact that this was not perceived to be a big deal by the national news media. It's a fair gripe. I think it's a fair complaint. Hopefully this additional coverage will get the people the assistance they need. But I also feel like it's turned into this a very convenient narrative, um, including, as I mentioned, the part of the mayor, a little bit of opportunism there of blaming it. I would ask people, if Buttigieg or Biden go to visit, how much does that actually make a change in the long run? Probably not a lot, but uh, you know, it's a talking point in some ways right now. But it also just shows that they care. You know, Trump's going to be the first one there this week, and uh, he's certainly going to uh, talk about how he was responsive, even though he's not in the federal government right now, and the, the Biden administration was slow to respond. The EPA director has been there, but uh, other than that, it's been Ohio members of Congress and, and other folks at the state level uh, that have been there. Just try to tie the, the first two martinis together, Jim. You know, you talked about how the reports on the water and the air are probably fairly accurate. But one of the things you tell your kids is, you know, the reason not to lie is because once people stop believing you and you're not trustworthy, uh, that's going to lead to major problems. So when we've heard, trust the science on masks, trust the science, your natural immunity isn't any good year after year after year, totally different area of science. But if the government tells you that year after year, month after month, day after day, and then they come in and say, even though your water looks funny and you're, you're not feeling great, everything's fine. Guess what? They're not going to believe you. And there's a reason they're not going to believe you. Yeah, people can point out that on this podcast, our opening martini was very much about how the guidance from the CDC and other public health authorities was wrong. And then in the second one, I said, well, public health authorities say the health risk in Ohio is minimal. Well, we hope they're right. If you want to argue there's an inconsistency or a contradiction there, I, I can see where people are coming from. Again, I just want people to be safe. But uh, skepticism of the government is a good thing. And they keep giving us more reason to be more and more skeptical to the point of uh, not accepting their word, even if things are good. But uh, hopefully we'll know soon. It's time to embrace the suck. Continually worrying about your investments dipping while the market remains extremely volatile? Pay attention to the companies where your money is located. Is it time to reevaluate your financial decisions or just continue to embrace the suck? Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey, this is Todd Herman, host of the Todd Herman Show. You might have heard me on Rush Limbaugh's show. I was a regular fill-in for about eight years. I now do a show out of the high mountains of free America because, you know, I got exiled from Seattle. Google Gemini correctly predicts the present day. Mind control matrix. The internet, television, even our phones wouldn't just be distractions, but tools used to manipulate the masses and suppress critical thinking. I said that correctly. Check out the Todd Herman Show every day on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Jim, on to our crazy martini now and uh, on to uh, the follow-up to a story we talked about during the midterm campaign last year. Uh, there was a congressional race in Indiana, oddly competitive, up in the uh, northwest corner of Indiana, which is usually a Democratic stronghold. The Democrats held the seat. But the Republican candidate, Jennifer Ruth Green, ended up being the victim of her own confidential military records uh, getting out and the story of her uh, sexual assault allegations while serving in Iraq uh, was shocking because it should have been kept under wraps, but it got leaked to a Democratic opposition research firm. And now it turns out that that's happened at least 11 times. Uh, this is uh, from Politico. Two Republican lawmakers say the Air Force alerted them that their military records were improperly released during the midterm campaign. Congressman Don Bacon of Nebraska was informed of the unauthorized release in a letter from the Air Force, which was obtained by Politico. And then Iowa Congressman Zach Nunn said in a statement that he was told by the Air Force that his own records were also disclosed without approval. The February 7th letter that Bacon received from the Air Force names Abraham Payton of the research firm Due Diligence LLC as the person who, quote, inappropriately requested copies of your military personnel records for the stated purpose of employment and benefits, unquote, adding that Peyton was already in possession of Bacon's social security number. Peyton is a former research director for the Democratic political action group American Bridge. And so the story says it looks like there's up to 11 different uh, files of political figures that have been leaked. Uh, and here's my favorite part. The Air Force spokesman said in October that a preliminary inquiry found that uh, Ms. Green's service record was released to a third party by a junior individual who didn't follow proper procedures and obtain required consent. So the only thing missing there is that they worked in Cincinnati, Jim. What do you make of the DOD and the Air Force in particular, I guess, getting real sloppy and it seems to be on a partisan basis? I am reminded of a quote that is attributed to Ian Fleming, but I feel like I've seen it in a variety of places. Once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, three times is enemy action. The odds that three House Republicans or House Republican candidates would have uh, sensitive portions of their military records that are not meant to be released to the public accidentally ending up in the hands of Democratic uh, opposition research 
hacks is is not believable that this is all just a matter of people being sloppy or inattentive or something like that and i point out this doesn't happen in a vacuum um there's a good reason why many people on the right see the permanent bureaucracy see government workers as if not the enemy then an opposition force an institution that is corrupt an institution that does not play by the rules Ironically, these are the people whose job is to enforce the rules, uh, people who do not believe that they are there to serve the people at large of left, right, and center. There are many people within the ranks of the government employees who see themselves as de facto Democratic Party operatives and that they believe their job is to help the party of government, which is the Democrats, win and continue winning and keep the system running. And oh, by the way, my you know novel from... Coming up on about nine years ago, uh, the Weed Agency writes about this at great length. It's a novel, but it's heavily researched. It might as well be nonfiction. And in fact, it made the Washington Post nonfiction bestseller list. I checked. They can't take it back. Um, <laughs> this is, you know, and I think what could just kind of jumps first and foremost was the leaking of the Alito draft at the Supreme Court which when it happened, everyone kind of eyes bugged out and said, oh, my God, you know, like we've had hints that this court was going to go this way or rumors going around but we'd never had the actual draft there it is right there on politico for everybody to read this is what the court is going to decide months ahead of the official decision and at the time many people including chief justice roberts really everybody associated with the court talked about what a terrible betrayal this was and what a you know breach of decorum and debate about whether it broke the law and what you know basically about how someone in the court had decided their personal beliefs and their personal agenda was more important than the job they have and their job that they they do the oath they take because they're all expected to keep things that are confidential confidential well here we are it's now been you know come uh, i guess we're approaching a year now and the court has said you know we've investigated it thoroughly we've talked to lots of people but in the end we couldn't come up with anyone now the comment didn't say that they didn't have any suspects or any strong suspects but it didn't lead to any naming of anyone and the resolution of whether there'll be any consequence for the leaker remains to be seen and that's not the only case we've seen this we've seen leaks of uh you know people's tax returns from the irs uh we've seen all kinds of cases in which people who are handed people's private personal confidential information end up leaking it because they want to help one guy get elected. That is an unacceptable manner. And each one of these things is like an acidic rot at faith in the system. And so you cannot complain if you're a Democrat, why do Americans distrust the government? Well, because the government behaves in a distrustful manner. And now that I think about it, Greg, there's sort of an intertwined theme of all of our martinis today, isn't there? <laughs> yes, there is. Jim, on a, let's end on a positive note, though. Today is a very American day. February 22nd, it's the day officially we celebrate George Washington's birthday. And in our lifetimes, it was 43 years ago today that we proved the Soviets were not invincible on ice. The miracle on ice in the 1980 Olympics. So hopefully that sends people out with a slightly more optimistic outlook than, uh, than the uh, frustrations we've talked about today. It's a low bar to clear, but I welcome it anyway, Greg. <laughs> Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch if you don't already, and please tell a friend about us as well. We'd love to have them along. Thanks also for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Also, get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a terrific Wednesday, and join us again on Thursday for the next... Three Martini Lunch. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Cartels are exploiting Indian reservations to get into America, and our federal government can't be bothered to stop it. Hey, y'all, it's Sarah Carter from The Sarah Carter Show. I just got back from two trips to our southern border, and I want to take you inside a huge hotspot where thousands of migrants are coming into America every day. I was with a member of the National Border Patrol Council when the Border Patrol nabbed multiple illegal migrants who were breaking U.S. law, and I have the exclusive audio. For all this and more, subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show on your favorite podcast app.